this is Solving Problems and Starting New Ones, a show that tries to be an incubator of great ideas and a place to challenge popular wisdom. And today, we dig back in with Border Security Chapter 3, and you'll get all this from a guy in the street perspective. But before we begin, hit the subscribe button, show the share, follow us on Bookface, and leave a five-star review. Do it up. Alright, alright, before we start the show, let's take a look at the headlines in the 2021 post-apocalypse update of 2021. New York Times. Alabama governor says it's time to start blaming the unvaccinated folks. I thought Alabama was a die-for-your-die state. So what's being referred to here is the spike in cases going on, particularly in southern states and more rural areas, and the blame is being put on the unvaccinated. And at the moment, it's a big deal. With that being said, I had a couple of people reach out to me who work at hospitals, and I've seen others, other people talking about this online. And apparently a few, maybe some, maybe all, I'm not 100% sure, but a memo went out that says not to test people for COVID if they've been vaccinated. Which means that when new cases are, are added to the list and given to the media, they're only going to be from the unvaccinated. So are the vaccinated even getting the virus? According to the UK, which releases data and new findings every Friday, they have pointed out that last month, three, 300 people died from COVID, 50% were unvaccinated, and the other half did get the shot. So how effective are the vaccines? Our corporate media has said the vaccines lower the chances of death and serious illness. However, there is no evidence to back that up. If you've been vaccinated and you get COVID, it might have the same impact on you even if you didn't get the shot. There's no evidence that it helped, only an assumption. So let's get back to the original you know, argument in the headline. Is it time to blame the unvaccinated? Which a lot of people would assume that means blaming Republican supporters. If you've seen or listened to Donald Trump or Sean Hannity at uh, Fox, two of the louder voices on the Republican side of the aisle, they've both been telling people to get the vaccine. Trump was actually seen walking down the street with two syringes of vaccine into his neck like Frankenstein. I don't think this is a Republican problem, but simply a distrust in the government problem. I think if you've been listening to the show for over the last couple of years, I think I've done a, at least an okay job pointing out the corruption in our government. Why would anyone trust this institution that has shown such little care for us peasants? Why would we trust a government or a media that ignores outpatient treatment, but instead pushes for either the mask or the vaccine? Why did India see a drop in their spike in COVID cases with the help of ivermectin? Why isn't ivermectin being pushed on the public with a cost of $7 to $15 per treatment? Does the public know that a COVID vaccine is not free, but actually costs the taxpayer $3,000 per shot? Why is the media pushing the vaccine on kids who would be better off getting natural immunity while protecting the most vulnerable kids. Why did the inventor of mRNA technology say kids should not be getting the vaccine, saying that mRNA vaccines is not made for kids? When is it time to start blaming the untrustworthy government? In other news, Matthew McConaughey is considering a run for governor of Texas. And of course, I have an exclusive inter interview with Matthew McConaughey, and I asked him what would he do if he were elected? Here's what he had to say. Let's give it a listen. If I'm elected governor of the great planet of Texas, the first thing I'm going to do is legally subtract 10 years from everyone's life. So if you're 50, you'll be 40. If you're 30, you'll be 20. If you're 10, you'll get to relive your life all over again. Because what is age? It's nothing more than assigned numbers showing you how much time has passed in your life. Nothing more. After that, 
I'm going to drive around in a Lincoln and go pool hopping. Vote for me. You'd be a lot cooler if you did. Well, he's got my vote. This has been your 2021 post-apocalypse update of 2021. All right, all right. This is Border Security Chapter 3, Security Equals Opportunity. And we're talking about the cartels again in this segment, and we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to start off with the solution, and that is labeling criminal cartels terrorists. Now, this idea has been floated around before and didn't go anywhere, and currently Chip Roy, a representative of Texas, has brought it to the floor once again where it will collect dust, because for some reason, people oppose this idea. So I'm going to dive in and explain why cartels should be labeled terrorists and try and figure out why it's not being done. Now, I've covered the drug cartels in Chapter 1, but I, I didn't get into what else the cartel members are up to that is destroying lives and killing the people. The business of migrant smuggling. Despite the risk of injury and death that comes along with crossing the U.S.-Mexico border, the business of human smuggling continues to attract customers. Uh, the CBP, the Custom and Border Protection, reported price ranges from 100 to a few thousand dollars for Mexican nationals, from 8000 to 10000 for Central Americans, and as high as 15000 for people coming from Brazil or Ecuador. And the price goes even higher the further you travel and the more dangerous you are, say if you're on a terrorist watch list. The high price tag means many people taking the journey find themselves in debt to their smuggler. Uh, the United Nations actually reports on this. Those who cannot make payments, the UN writes, may fall victim to human trafficking that can include forced labor, uh, sex slavery, and organ harvesting. These criminal organizations do not care about the safety and well-being of the people they are smuggling. They only care about the money. The cartel-affiliated human smuggling organizations send their recruiters to other countries and convince vulnerable people and their families to pay large sums of money to be smuggled in illegally. More than 178,000 people encountered the CBP agents at the southern border during the month of April, and recent reports show a number of those individuals entered the country by climbing over the 30-foot border wall. Some of the individuals, individuals making this journey face risk of serious injury, with reports detailing stories of migrants who broke their legs and ankles and incurred serious head injuries after falling over the wall. Over the past uh, fiscal year, CBP has so far rescued 5,638 people at the southwest border. Smuggling groups, or coyotes, which pay fees to travel through cartel-occupied lands, but are generally not all cartel members themselves, are just as dangerous. While making this journey with the, the smuggling groups, women understand the inherent risk of being raped and take, they take contraceptives prior to their journey. Unlike in the past when asylum seekers could readily present their cases, the number of individuals being let in through the asylum process remains curbed due to Title 42, which allows the government to turn away those seeking asylum on the basis of pandemic control, which has resulted in the prominence of a different model of human smuggling, one where those who arrived at the border and are already in groups or caravans and are sometimes stuck, they get, they get so desperate that they hire the services of a smuggler. These people have already gone through so much at this point, so a lot of smugglers visit the migrant shelters and find new clients, knowing how desperate they are. And if you can't pay up, there's another business that was uh, mentioned the cartel and cartel affiliates engage in, sex trafficking. Now, before I get into this, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but all these migrants are walking around with uh, Biden t-shirts on. Who's carrying the screen press around with them, you know, just whipping up shirts? And secondly, why didn't they do this when Trump was president? You know, with his ego, he would have been all like, on second thought, let him in. Whatever. Poor marketing decisions were made, that's all. 
Anywho, the business of sex trafficking. Now, this lucrative business is gaining in uh, popularity among cartels. Not as much as drugs, but the sex trade is estimated to be worth $150 billion a year currently. And they don't pay taxes, so where are the hungry liberal, liberal woke supremacists on that? Well, they're busy complaining about Amazon because that's the most important thingy. In the business of selling drugs, there is one transaction. Sell the product, collect the money, done. With sex trafficking, you can use the same person over and over for years until they're rescued or die. For the cartels and traffickers, this makes economic sense. This is a major issue in this country and in the world. It's something that we all agree on, but I don't see a lot of outcry like I see on critical race theory or using proper liberalese pronouns. So here's a question and maybe a few quick facts on sex and human trafficking and why it should outshine all the other bullshit talking points. Nearly 80% of human trafficking is for sex. 19% is for labor exploitation. Researchers note that sex trafficking plays a major role in the spread of HIV. There are more human slaves in the world today than ever before in history. There are an estimated 27 million adults and 13 million children around the world who are victims of human trafficking. Human traffickers often use a Sudanese phrase, use a slave to catch slaves, meaning traffickers send in broken-in girls to recruit younger girls into the sex trade. Sex traffickers often train girls themselves, raping them and teaching them sex acts. 80% of North Koreans who escape into China are women. 9 out of 10 of those women become victims of human trafficking, often for sex. If the women complain, they are deported back to North Korea where they will be thrown into gulags or simply executed. An estimated 30,000 victims of sex trafficking die each year from abuse, disease, torture, and neglect. 80% of those sold into sexual slavery are under 24. Some are as young as 6 years old. Ludwig Tarzan Feinberg, a convicted trafficker, said, You can buy a woman for $10,000 and make your money back in a week if she's pretty and young. Then everything else is profit. A human trafficker can earn 20 times what he or she paid for a girl. Provided the girl was not physically brutalized to the point of ruining her beauty, the pimp could sell her again for a greater price because he had trained her and broken her spirit which saves the future buyers the hassle. A 2003 study in the Netherlands found that, on average, a single sex slave earned her pimp at least $250,000 a year. Although human trafficking is often a hidden crime, accurate statistics are difficult to obtain. Researchers estimate more than 80% of the trafficking victims are female. Over 50% of the human trafficking victims are children. The end of the Cold War has resulted in the growth of regional conflicts and the decline of borders. Many rebel groups turned to human trafficking to fund military actions and garner soldiers. According to a 2009 Washington Times article, the Taliban buys children as young as 7 years old to act as suicide bombers. The price for a child suicide bomber is around $7,000 to $14,000. Many children are trafficked to serve in armed conflicts around the world. UNICEF estimates that about 300,000 children younger than 18 are currently trafficked to serve in armed, armed conflicts worldwide. More than 30% of all trafficking cases in 2007 to 2008 involved children being sold into the sex industry. Over 71% of the trafficked children show suicidal tendencies. Most human trafficking in the United States occurs in New York, California, and Florida. According to the United Nations Children's Fund, UNICEF, over the past 30 years, over 30 million children have been sexually exploited through human trafficking. Human traffickers often target young victims via the internet, with Facebook currently being the go-to site. Sex traffickers often recruit children because 
Not only are children more unsuspecting and vulnerable than adults, but there is also a high market demand for young victims. Traffickers target victims on the telephone, the internet, through friends, at the mall, after school programs. Several countries rank as high source countries for human trafficking, including Belarus, the Republic of Moldova, Russia, Ukraine, Albania, Bulgaria, Lithuania, Romania, China, Thailand, and Nigeria. The next, uh, next group that's also pretty high is Belgium, Germany, Greece, Israel, Italy, Japan, Netherlands, Turkey, and the good old U.S. Women are trafficked to the U.S. largely to work in the sex industry, including strip clubs, massage parlors that offer sexual services, and prostitution. They also trafficked, uh, they're also trafficked into sweatshops, domestic servitude, and agricultural work, farming. Sex traffickers use a variety of ways to condition their victims, including subjecting them to starvation, rape, gang rape, physical abuse, beating, confinement, threats of violence towards the victims and the victim's family, and forced drug abuse. Family members will often sell their children and other family members into slavery. The younger the victim, the more money the trafficker receives. For example, a 10-year-old named Jida was sold into a brothel by her aunt. The now 22-year-old recalls that when she refused to work, the older girls held her down, stuck a piece of cloth in her mouth so no one would hear her scream as she was raped by a customer. She, was, she would later uh, contract HIV. Victims of human trafficking suffered devastating physical and psychological harm. However, due to language barriers, lack of knowledge about available services, and the frequency with which traffickers move victims, human trafficking victims and their perpetrators are difficult to catch. In approximately 54% of human trafficking cases, the recruiter is a stranger. In 46% of the cases, the recruiter is known to the victim. 52% of human trafficking recruiters are men, 42% are women, and 6% are a team of both. Some human traffickers recruit handicapped young girls, such as those suffering from Down syndrome, into the sex industry. According to the FBI, a large human trafficking organization in California in 2008 not only physically threatened and beat girls as young as 12 years old to work as prostitutes, they are also regularly threatened with witchcraft. That is according to the FBI, not QAnon. Human traffickers often work with corrupt government officials to obtain travel documents and seize passports. Women and girls from racial minorities in the U.S. are disproportionately recruited by sex traffickers in the U.S. The Sunday Telegraph in the U.K. reports that hundreds of children as young as uh, six years old are brought to the UK as slaves each year. Japan is considered the largest market for Asian women trafficked for sex. Airports are often used by human traffickers to hold uh, slave auctions where women and children are sold into prostitution. Human traffickers are increasingly trafficking pregnant women for their newborns. Babies are sold on the black market where the profit is divided between the traffickers, doctors, lawyers, border officials, and others. The mother is usually paid less than what is promised to her citing the cost of travel and creating false documents. A mother might receive as little as a few hundred dollars for her baby. Due to globalization, every continent of the world has been involved in human trafficking, including a country as small as Iceland. Many times, if a sex slave is arrested, she is imprisoned while her trafficker is able to buy his way out of trouble. Today, slaves are cheaper than they've ever been in history. The population explosion has created a great supply of workers, and globalization has created... Uh, people who are vulnerable and easily enslaved. Human trafficking and smuggling are similar but not interchangeable. Smuggling is transportation-based, trafficking is exploitation-based. 
Human trafficking has been reported in all 50 states, Washington, and some U.S. territories. The FBI estimates that over 100,000 children and young women are trafficked in America today. They range in age from 9 to 19, with the average age being 11. Many victims are not just runaways or abandoned, but come from quote-unquote good families who are co coerced by clever traffickers. Brazil and Thailand are generally considered to have the worst child sex trafficking records. Nearly 7,000 Nepali girls as young as 9 years old are sold every year into India's red light district, or 200,000 in the last decade. 10,000 children between the ages of 6 and 14 are in Sri Lanka brothels. Human trafficking victims face physical risks such as drug and alcohol addiction, contracting STDs, miscarriages, forced abortions, vaginal and anal trauma, among others. Psychological effects include developing clinical depression, personality disorders, suicidal tendencies, post-traumatic stress syndrome, and complex post-traumatic stress syndrome. The AIDS epidemic in Africa has left many children orphaned, making them especially vulnerable to human trafficking. The largest human trafficking case in recent U.S. history occurred in Hawaii in 2010. Global Horizon Manpower, Inc., a labor recruiting company, bought 4,000 immigrants in 2004 from Thailand to work on the farms in Hawaii. They were lured with false promises of high-paying farm work, but instead their passports were taken away and they were held in forced uh, servitude until they were rescued in 2010. According to the U.S. State Department, human trafficking is one of the greatest human rights challenges in the century, both in the United States and around the world. And lastly, number 50, today a slave costs about $90 on average worldwide. And the government will make excuses not to label these groups terrorists. Why is that? Well, let's connect some dots. In May of 2019, a Wells Fargo banker pleaded guilty to knowingly opening bank accounts for people working with uh, drug cartels. Luis Figueroa admitted he took part in the money laundering scheme that stretched across the U.S. And he's not alone. There was a recruitment drive to find people willing to open bank accounts for cartel members. Drug money is deposited in, into amounts below the threshold of regulatory reporting. Then the money is wired to shell companies in Mexico where it is picked up by the cartels. This single operation we're talking about laundered $19 million. Just think of it. Think, think of what a billion dollars in cash actually looks like. That's $10 million bills. Do you think cartel members are just keeping that in a drawer or under their bed? Common sense, which isn't so common, would tell you that they're keeping it somewhere safe, you know, like a bank. So laundering money isn't a rare occurrence, but just simply part of the cartel business structure. Now, as a person who's pretty familiar with finances and donation practices of politicians, I can tell you I have yet to find a single politician with recognition that hasn't taken money from a banking institution. Now, I'm just guessing on this part, but would it be too much of a stretch to say maybe the banks don't want the cartel members labeled terrorists because they don't want to lose those billions of dollars? Maybe they don't want people to see how corrupt they are if investigators had the ability to dig into their practices. Maybe the bought and paid for congressional leaders are protecting their investors. Not all the evidence is there, but I don't think it's much of a stretch. You can also listen to the weak arguments of corporate media and the government when claiming cartels should not be labeled terrorists. One of the main reasons it's been said not to label them terrorists is they are a threat, but not an ideological or political threat, meaning that their violence doesn't come from corrupt values like Muslim extremism or white or woke supremacy. Cartels are simply a criminal organization, and that, for some reason, is a satisfactory answer to lawmakers. 
But here's the thing. There are three major criteria that can label you a terrorist organization and ideology isn't in the top three. So let's go over the top three and see if cartels meet that criteria. Number one, it must be a foreign organization. That's a non-issue. Number two, the group must engage in acts of terrorism. Terrorism defined to include the use of explosives or firearms to endanger others. Check. Kidnapping to compel actions by another. Check. And assassination, particularly politicians. As far as assassinations go, so far not on the U.S. soil, but there, ha- there has, have been political assassinations on the Mex- Mexico side. Should Congress wait till it happens here? Sounds to me you can check that box. And lastly, the terrorist activity must threaten the security of U.S. citizens and or the broad security of the country. I think I've proven that point earlier. So what would labeling them terrorists do? Well, as mentioned previously, authorities would be able to freeze up bank accounts and go after people who set it up a lot easier. People would reconsider doing business with a cartel member because the penalties would at minimum double for anyone funding or working with a terrorist organization. Also, stigmatizing the cartels will slow smuggling operations as no one trying to get across the border wants to get caught donating to terrorists or buying large quantities of drugs from them for the same reason. Also, this would force other countries to consider taking the same approach. So to recap everything from previous chapters and episodes, labeling cartels terrorists isn't the only thing. It will take a multi-pronged effort. Securing the border with tough policies and a wall in strategically placed areas, undercutting the cartels with better paying job opportunities to the farmers and producers, better education on curbing addiction, better health care to promote physical wellness instead of a society that's constantly trying to promote the legalization of all drugs as if that's going to work. All this leads to the most important lesson to take away from these three chapters. Without security, there is no opportunity. Look at yourself as an individual, look at this country or others. If you are not safe, if your country is not safe, then there will be no opportunity to prosper. Security equals opportunity. That's all anyone and anywhere really needs. That's all I got for you today. This was Solving Problems and Starting New Ones Challenge.